This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. We just got a mic check here on Cardinals Underground. Do we need an energy check? Darren Urban, Felipe Corral Jr., Paulie Pencilneck slash podcast. How is the energy in the room? Because <laughs> I know it's a podcast, gentlemen, but there is no room for the four-letter F word, flat. We can't have it. Can't have flat around here, Felipe. You're nodding accordingly. You're on board? Exactly. Yeah, I think my energy will, you know, lighten up or maybe not so, depending on the status of Kyler Murray heading into <laughs> week 11. So so it's all it's dependent a, on a, Kyler Murray? It's a TBD. No, yes, no, you need to bring your own energy. Felipe, okay? Other guys need to feed off you. I can tell right now Darren needs to feed off you. Come on, D. Let's go. You're, you're, you you're, you're you sunk back me? in your chair. I don't know. I, usually you're on the edge of your seat. Not so much today. Oh, the back's hurting a little bit, Paul. So <laughs> oh, I, I did really? hurt myself this morning. So we're, yeah. we're going to go ahead and uh, we're going to lean back and prop up the back as you best we can. You guys play pickup hoops in the morning before <laughs> work? I, 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 I mean, you're making Tuesday hoops. the most productive this day of the a, week. This was a, my just going to the gym in the morning, and, and what the worst part was, it wasn't even grabbing any weights or anything. It was, it was I was just there, and I went to turn to do something, and then I realized I must be old. And, <laughs> that is I mean, it's not super bad, but okay. I've learned after many years that uh, – as soon as you feel one thing in the back, you right. stop for the day and hope it's better the next day. You know, our Jim Almohundro is right here, editor extraordinaire. If you want to change your story, he'll, he'll edit that in. If you want to, you know, say you were attempting a 1,000-pound deadlift, uh, he's making the money sign. See, You're going to have to pay him off. I if gotta you want to revise your story, you know, I don't know, you, you, were, you were deadlifting. I was just think of something other than I turned around in the weight room. I feel – I understand where you're going with that, but there's also part of me that feels like – effing up your back because you tried to for flat by the way yeah exactly uh because you tried to lift a thousand pounds or something just seems even more stupid than Mm. just turning and 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 tweaking it a bit Felipe does look a little skeptical was it one of those things where you're like stretching out and you no no i was in the i was in the middle of a workout (laughs) everything was fine i'd already lifted a bunch of weights i was all good and then i went to go turn and um and it was just enough and i've had enough back issues Mm -hmm. where i'm like i I used to be someone like, oh, you know, it's it's not horrible. I'm going to finish the workout, and then my wife would yell at me when I got home, and sometimes it would be okay, and sometimes it w- would have cost me. And I've, I'm now to the age where I'm like, okay, you got to shut yourself down right this second and hope that tomorrow morning everything is good. Well, okay, there are two options. Number yes. one, you can just take off your headset and walk 50 yards that way into the training room. Yeah, or, I, I could. Or we could give you a, a home remedy of sorts. Here we go, poly prescription. And it's not for more cowbell. You, the prescription here is I want you to take four quarters of football in Seattle and see what that <laughs> does for your urgency, your intensity, That's fair. and your energy when it's you against the world in Seattle. This is the perfect opponent, the perfect road game, the perfect venue coming off what we just saw or did not see against Carolina. Well, I will say this. If uh, I could take my back injury and and swap myself for somebody else on the injury report for the Cardinals, I would be willing to do that. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Okay. So maybe. I mean, I don't. I don't think that's how it works. If I went on, somebody automatically comes off. Like one of those really bad B movies they used to make in the '70s and '80s, where like two personalities would swatch it. So like <laughs> exactly. So like you could have Kyler's ankle injury, sure. and he could deal with your back injury, which well, I'm sure no, he I wasn't played even through every that. day I would of just the week. Say, I go on the injury list. He comes off the injury list. Can I can it work that way? Because okay. you know we know Kyler would play through your injury right now, and he wouldn't be squawking about it. <laughs> if if I was substituting myself into the injury list, I'd probably do Aaron. Brewer, maybe instead of Kyler Murray. Is You'd that, rather have a broken arm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, then an ankle. I've had three ankle surgeries, so trust oh, me, I do not want another ankle 
injury. Mm. Uh, what wished are you doing to your myself. ankles at your age to have three surgeries? You know, it was, it was back in my heyday of playing basketball. You okay. know, landing on people's feet, people not. You know, giving me space to land after shooting a, a three or something like that. You I know, think, what happened, I think so. I th- actually you're right. I think that is why uh, it was it was uh, after Pachulia went under Kawhi Leonard, he went under Felipe's foot, exactly. and that's why the NBA has that role. <laughs> no, I I think it was just the crossovers. I think it's your poor defense and footwork. You <laughs> you literally got your ankles broken apparently three <laughs> there times. You go. on a there crossover. Is. is that is there, that what you're saying? There's no there's no video or or, <laughs> or footage of that. Yeah, at, lucky at for you. LA, at an LA Fitness or Lifetime Fitness. Of you sure about that? Yeah, yeah, Jim Omohundro is scrolling right now. He might retweet it any moment. <laughs> Just be ready for that. Hey, once upon a time under Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals went into Seattle with a backup quarterback, and they won the game. Now, he didn't start the game. He finished say, the game. Let's, let's clarify that. He, he did finish the game, but the Cardinals won that game yeah. going away, and that backup quarterback did take a bow after one long touchdown drive where he had a couple of long runs, actually. Yeah. And it wasn't Kyler Murray, but Brett Hundley yeah, taking a page true. out of the Kyler Murray playbook. And here's the question. And let's just start with this, and then we'll, we'll go and we'll reverse engineer this edition of Cardinals Underground. But based on what we know right here, right now, there's a tweet out there from a credible NFL insider that the Cardinals tried to sh- sign Shane Bouchelle. Yes, off the Kansas City practice squad. Uh, Kansas City ran interference. They signed them themselves to their active roster. Are the Cardinals in search of another? Because we don't know about the first-string quarterback. We don't know about the second-string quarterback. What do we know about a four-string quarterback at this point? Well, I mean, I, I would think, if nothing else, you'd like to have an, an, uh, a, another body healthy for practice if anybody's missing practice. So I could see why that – and I also understand why Bouchelle wouldn't want to necessarily come over the – the Chiefs ended up stopping it from happening by signing him to their active roster, uh, which teams can do. And usually players want to stay where they've already been practicing and training anyways. But it also makes sense. He's their third quarterback. Here he would be the fourth quarterback, and if everybody got healthy, they don't need him anymore. So I could understand why he'd want to stick around. Uh, but it does raise a red flag, although I'll be honest, guys, after Cliff Kingsbury said there was a there was an NFL network report early Monday that said Colt McCoy only had a pec strain and he'd be okay this week but then Cliff Kingsbury talked and he called him day-to-day and quite frankly after the last few weeks of what day-to-day has meant for Kyler Murray or DeAndre Hopkins or a number of other players I don't want to hear Cliff Kingsbury say day-to-day and feel super confident about anybody's health because that could easily mean week to week yes he's just taking it day by day doesn't mean the the outlook is necessarily day by day that's just how they're assessing it that's the way I translate that and I'm on board with you I, I am and you know, with all due respect to Chris Trebler I'm not so sure that Shane Bouchelle would be the fourth string quarterback for long if Chris Trebler isn't more productive than what we saw against Carolina do you guys think it's petty of the Chiefs to do that to sign no. them as soon as you or is that like a well, business well, decision well, there's here let me ask let me, I'll put it this way would it be if, if the Cardinals were only uh, carrying two quarterbacks and they had Strebler on the practice squad, which for whatever reason the fans have been squawking about since training camp, you couldn't, you can't let that guy go. I mean, you got to have three quarterbacks around. And and the only thing I, I would argue with Paul's argument about Here we go. Bushell Bring it. coming in Bring it. is I just – if you have a guy that's been with you for over, you know, almost two years now, and you're going to have a guy come in on three days practice and pass you on the depth chart, that guy who is with you for two years shouldn't be here in the first place. I don't think – I think Streveler – I think that would be a backup plan, absolutely. Anybody coming in would be a backup plan at this point, I would think. Because you would need somebody – if the other two guys are hurt, you got to have at least a second quarterback. Yeah. You're right. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach and the play caller and game planner. Think of from Strebler to Shane Bouchelle or any quarterback to be named later who comes in, you'd go from the entirety of your playbook to a very small percentage of your playbook being available on your play sheet. So, you, you know, you're absolutely right. Here's my question. Who's the emergency quarterback? Because it was Chase Edmonds. 
But now Chase Edmonds is on IR. According so, to who, though? It was Chase Edmonds according to him? Cliff Kingsbury, oh. a couple of weeks ago, when we broke down on his weekly TV show game plan, and that's a valid question, Felipe, we did the Chase Edmonds Wildcat touchdown. Mm. And he said two things about that. Number one, Chase is the emergency quarterback. Number two, I ripped this play off from Liberty and Hugh Freeze. Remember oh, I told you that you story? Tell about that. So, so you, those, you left out the Edmonds emergency quarterback. And, and he worked that into you know the commentary, and so that was intriguing. Um, and Because then I made a joke later, well, wait a minute, Christian Kirk had a touchdown pass. Are you sure Christian Kirk isn't biding time to try and beat out Chase Edmonds to be the emergency quarterback? <laughs> And we got a little chuckle on that, or maybe he gave me a courtesy laugh and a golf clap. I'm not really sure. Or he ignored me. Could have been any of the above. I'm not really sure. But maybe Chase Edmonds is the guy. Or, I mean, Christian Kirk is the guy. I'm not really sure. But we're not sure the Cardinals don't have a dire quarterback issue yeah, at not. this point. That's true. As we record right now, it could be all kinds of disaster. So monitor that. Um a quick word on the Carolina game. Meanwhile, Paul just scared the entire fan base listening to Cardinals. I, I, I just want everyone to be aware what might be hanging in the balance. I will say also that on the Friday press conference, Cam Newton delivered. Did you guys happen to see any of that, what Cam Newton had to say when he was deadly serious with the Carolina media and he looked them all in the eye and he said, this isn't some sort of parade. I'm here to work and I'm all about restoring Carolina pride and – Anybody who was listening out in that media room we were watching it on the big screen, which was basically nobody listening to yours truly, I said, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Newton comes out there and delivers the pregame speech and they don't feed off Cam Newton, that Sam Darnold won't be addition by subtraction, just getting rid of a guy they probably didn't believe in and who was playing miserable football. And sure enough, two plays into the game for Cam Newton, he had two touchdowns. That's true. And it just in hindsight, I think – Perhaps we should have seen that coming. It, it probably shouldn't have been as big a shocker as it might have been to all of us, yours, yours truly included, because as it unfolded, you're like, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. They have a former MVP quarterback. Everybody feeds off. He's a legitimate alpha male in the NFL. They have a top-ranked defense that's flying around, motivated by a former Cardinal who's getting them going, sort of like in the Houston game. Cardinals find mo found motivation against a miserable Texans team because of D-Hop and J.J. Watt, who addressed the team during the week. They have that same dynamic with Hassan Reddick. So as it unfolded, I sat there and sort of nodded and said, you know what, I'm not shocked by this. I was still shocked. I mean, Cam Newton still only played like four snaps, and yeah, he gave a speech, but I mean, how many times have we talked to guys and said speeches are good up until probably about two minutes into the game, and then... Sure. I mean, I'll say it again, guys. If, if they find a way to cover Christian McCaffrey on third and nine after the strip sack and instead him getting wide open and getting the catch down to the two and and giving Cam Newton his first chance to run it in, and they hold them to a – after all that, the strip sack, if, if Carolina stalls out at the 15-yard line and only gets a field goal out of it, I think everything's different. I really, truly do. And the fact that they let McCaffrey get that first down, then you let Newton score, then – things kind of roll on, and I wouldn't never use the M word because I don't want Kyle Odegaard to track me down and, <laughs> and take me out. But uh, it felt a little bit like that. And again, I mean, the first three possessions the Cardinals had were essentially turnovers, mm -hmm. two real turnovers, and then the failed fourth down. And they got 17 points out of it. And then the fact that for whatever reason the defense couldn't stop the run, um, I mean – I, I'm not saying it's it's not a good storyline for the Cam Newton stuff, but I feel like that was about horrible execution and bad run defense. Ultimately, that really did them in a lot more than Cam Newton coming in and hyping the hyping the world. That's just me, though. I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised either, just because from the get go. I mean, when you when the momentum shifts, from uh, he the, said the M word from the from the beginning of the game and you have a team looking for any single the slightest motivation to really get back on track cuz you know they've been struggling in the past what five to six weeks yeah. with uh CMC out obviously you get Cam Newton he gives that pregame speech on the sideline and Christian McCaffrey says it said it himself after the game i mean there's no one that really motivates this team and brings a type of swagger to that locker room okay. than a Cam Newton so then when you, when you get that fumble, obviously, from Hassan Reddick as well, you know, it was his quote-unquote revenge game. 
there's so much there's so much momentum going their way and for it to shift that early in the game it, it was kind of hard to get get it all back and then i mean cam newton scoring obviously added to that so I, that's why i wasn't necessarily surprised because that shift happened so early okay. in the game I, and i'll give you guys that i will say this i think having christian mccaffrey uh, two things i think not having darnold was more important than having cam newton and i think getting uh, Christian McCaffrey back, maybe not 100%, but that is easily the most he's played since he got mm-hmm. hurt and the most effective he's been. And I think that was way more important than having Cam Newton back. If, if Christian McCaffrey's not out there, I don't know if Chuba Hubbard really does all those types of things. I mean, Christian McCaffrey still only played, I don't know, something really low, crazy low, like 30 snaps. Well, he didn't play the fourth quarter. And he had 13 carries yeah. for 95 rushing catches. yards and 10 catches. Seemingly every one of those catches was like <laughs> second and long, third and I long. I mean, he's moving the chains with those catches, those angle routes out of the backfield. Again, field. the first play that I was talking about, that one that converted the first down. How do you not? How are you not ready for that? Was it, Isaiah Simmons never put on him as a spy out of the backfield? I'd love to have an know, answer on that. Yeah, I saw him. I saw Isaiah on Christian McCaffrey a couple of times, and I thought Mc- Simmons was covering him on that first play too. I Co- don't know, right as a spy. Covering him eventually in a zone maybe or was he assigned him as a spy that's what i know you track him on a passing down you're tracking number i mean right what is cmc's number 22 22 so you know but look when colt mccoy says after the game guys quote we were flat we had no energy okay what begets what in that scenario you come out and you to darren's point you turn turnovers and you turn over the ball on a failed fourth down because you can't come off the balls in offensive line now you can argue whether you want to go quarterback sneak with a 35-year-old quarterback and two backup guards into the teeth of a pretty stout yeah, front seven. And hence, after the game, Cliff Kingsbury said repeatedly, uh, I didn't mind going for it on fourth down. I'm not rethinking that. I'd, I'd redo my play call, sure. give it to your big hammer back, right? Go the pound game with James Conner. But once again, if you – and I saw this, and I asked Cliff Kingsbury about this after the game. The entirety of the game, the coaches are furiously looking at the tablets like I've never seen. What's going on? What can we correct? What adjustment can I make? You know what the answer is? Jack to the squat if your players don't have energy and intensity and urgency. There's not much you can do. Did you mention that to him on the sideline? I said (laughs) after the game, and not those exact same words, I asked Coach Cliff, how many adjustments can you make when you're losing the battle of intensity and urgency? Yeah. And he said, yeah, granted, it, it's tough. There's no halftime adjustment that's going to win you the game. I'm going to go to Cliff at some point this week and show him <laughs> this part of the podcast, and I'm, I'm going to ask him, did Paul Cavici ask you in these, in these certain you, you words? Need that, you need those extra set of eyes down there. I'm trying. I have to keep your guys' attention. I mean, you're like my kids. You go to your phones if I don't say something, if I don't embellish. Somebody's got to write down what we're I, talking about here, if Paul. I, if I don't throw something out. So, I mean, that was an issue. Um, when you're losing the battle in the trenches, and let's face it, the Cardinals' O-line and D-line got dominated. Yeah. Maybe the most concerning thing to me after the game, and this is saying a lot, is when Zach Allen pointed out they were running the ball on us for chunk runs when we were in run-stopping defensive fronts. They introduced, they devised some sort of trap play that I guess Carolina hadn't shown to date. Joe Brady, their OC, busted out this trap play, and Zach Allen, to his credit, said, guess what? We're going to see it again for the next four weeks because you'll see it until you stop it in the NFL. And, man, how many times did Christian McCaffrey and company get to the second level untouched? On the Chuba Hubbard touchdown run, it was as easy as it gets. There looked to be confusion as to who exactly was supposed to be in the flat, and then they go for the two-point conversion, and there's confusion in the secondary in reduced space. You had two DBs looking at each other going, wait, was that your guy? Was it my guy? So is that a lack of focus? Is that being flat? I would surmise yes and yes. Well, I mean, that kind of stuff, that's not about being flat. That is that is lack of focus or whatever. I mean, the, the it in some ways it's good to hear Zach Allen say, well, they busted out this play we they hadn't shown before. So at least there's some kind of explanation. You wish they would have been able to – figure it out sooner rather than later because Harumph. it felt like the whole game where like all of a sudden there's a guy running right up the middle for you know all kinds of yards you know again we're we're rehashing this stuff when we're recording it they're already well beyond this game and 
there's no reason to keep rehashing it in a lot of ways. I mean, there, there's nothing to learn from that other than you played no. crappy. And, and and you guys know it's the here's the stat. It's the second straight week in the NFL where four teams with losing records beat a first place team. That's eight times in two weeks that a team with a losing record beat a first place team. And then if you see, see, here's the game plan. If I'm the coaching staff and uh, for things that will never, ever happen, if they brought me in for a pregame speech instead of Cam Newton, I'd say guess what Buffalo did after losing to Jacksonville? They put a 40-burger up on the board against the Jets. Guess what Dallas did after getting down 30 to nothing to Denver? They came out and they blasted Atlanta 43-3, to right? So now what do the Cardinals have in store after doing what basically every other leading team in the NFL has done and then just fall flat on their face? But you see, you know the difference between those two teams that you just mentioned? I mean, the Bills lost to the, to the Jags, but they had practically their entire – you know, offensive side. They still had Josh Allen. You Josh still Allen saw yeah. uh, Stephon Diggs on that side. With with the Cowboys, they lost at home to the Broncos with the healthy deck. You still have C.D. Lamb. You still had Zeke and all that. So that's where the silver lining is. I mean, you obviously you're gonna go on the road. In my opinion, it's a must win at Seattle, and you have a Russell Wilson that I mean, let's face it, he wasn't in the best of shape last week against the Packers on the road. I didn't even. Oh, wait, I, he, he rehabbed 19 hours a day, oh God, he said. So <laughs> you're, 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 you're not buying that he's in fantastic shape, Felipe. He's, he's not. And it was funny because I saw a tweet that you guys remember when Russ was in like that imaginary huddle? Yes. Someone tweeted the Seahawks should have ran that play that. Yeah, I saw that tweet. That was <laughs> Things like good. that. So there is a silver lining to everything because hopefully the Cardinals – I'm hoping that they get Kyler Murray back. There's no way, in my opinion, that he would, you know, miss out on this type of game. Obviously, you don't want to go into the bye 0-2. It's a divisional game. Again, it's a must win. Okay, so. okay, okay. I'm going to stop you there because that's the second time you said that. Why do you think this is a must win? Because it's a divisional opponent. Okay. You don't want to go into the bye losing. And historically, under Cliff Kings raid, they've struggled a little bit coming off the bye. Correct. And they're going to be on the road against, you know, Chicago. on the East Coast against Chicago. So, to me, that's why I think it's okay. a must win. That's why but I would have missed it if I was Colin Murray. But here's the problem. The problem is, is when you say must win, that comes with the definition. The definition, that is, if you lose, your season's done. And that's just not true. So, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to battle you on this one that it's must win because I don't think it's must win. Now, what it is is, I don't think you can get blown out. I think that would be a very ugly thing to have happen. Um, but the other problem with saying it's must win is if you go in with Chris Streveler as your quarterback, row row, you you can't be you can't be having your team thinking this is must win. <laughs> I mean, not that he can't win, but that's 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 a bad. I just think that's a bad uh, thought process to have. Of course, if the Seahawks get shut out again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Russell Wilson was not good, guys. He was not. Yeah, now, Green Bay's defense, I'm going to give him props. As bad as Green Bay's defense looked in September, yeah, that's true. they have looked splendicular against the Cardinals and then in that game against Seattle when yeah, Russell true. Wilson goes out there struggling. Okay, now, he said repeatedly his finger was fine. I don't think anybody's buying that. But for him to go 20 of 40 for only 161 yards, two picks, and a passer rating sub 40, and it's the first time in his career he's ever been shut out. Well, here's the, here's what's going to happen, Paul. Um, you know, he's he's healthy now. He rehabbed 19 to 20 hours a day, so <laughs> he's right. healthy now. So right. now he's going to flip it just slightly, mm -hmm. and now Russell Wilson is going to practice 19 to 20 hours a day. I see. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to convince his, his teammates to do that with him. I don't know how his wife feels about that. You know, three in the morning, and the neighbors are like, "What is that noise across the the wall over there?" Well, well it's just Russell calling out his plays. He, he might want to pace himself, though. He also said this week that he wants to play twenty plus years in the NFL and own an NFL team when he's done. By the time he's done playing his twenty plus years, it's going to cost him about ten billion dollars for an NFL team if True. they keep appreciating at that rate. So I hope he's saving his pennies right now. Well, he, he's he's going to be looking for a new contract soon, so maybe he's expecting. <laughs> right, just give me a chunk of ownership is what he's going to tell. When you talk about having a power couple though i'm pretty sure his wife can help him in uh, yeah, that regard I'm, I'm too. guessing look if tom yeah. brady's not buying an, an nfl team uh, and he might I mean, who knows and look 
the, you want me to go in depth, right? You mentioned Kyle. I want you to go in depth, Paul. Okay, here's here's your your Kyle Odegaard uh, salute to analytics because according to ESPN stats and info, uh, Russell Wilson missed a bunch of throws against. Uh, he missed ten. He had ten off-target incompletions, including eight overthrows, is what they rated. And then Next Gen Stats said he was particularly bad against the Packers' pressure. When they dialed it up, he went only 4 at 12 for 33 yards a pick and a passer rating of 7.6 when pressured. Hmm. What does Vance Joseph do very well? He does the pressure pretty well, He, he brings the blitz. As, so. long, as long as you put him in positions where they've got to pass. And that's what the issue was against the Packers. That's what the issue was against the Panthers most of the game is the Cardinals are not winning, as they like to say, not winning first down. Mm. And if you don't win first down, you're just not in positions where it, you're, you're having to set up a defense that has to be wary of the run, even if they throw it on third down, and that's, that's not where they want to be. You know what Devon Kennard said after the game in, in regards to that? He said, uh, because we didn't win first down and, and second down, et cetera, and they had second and manageable, third and short, he said uh, the Carolina Panthers turned it into Burger King. They had it their way. Oh wow! That's, that was uh, that was his quote after the game on the really radio side. He really said that on the radio side. They had it their way, and he dropped BK into that. I like how he's doing dad jokes. <laughs> hopefully, I mean, hopefully Chandler Jones has it his way on Sunday. I mean, he likes to play against the Seahawks. He does. I mean, if there's someone that sacked Russell Russell Wilson as much as anyone, it's probably. It used Chandler. to be Calais Campbell, and then Chandler right. Jones took up the mantle. Yeah. Didn't Calais had three in like one half yeah. against Russell Wilson? And then, well, Chandler had four two years ago up there yep. in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Do the players like playing in Seattle because of the atmosphere? I think, I think they love it. That's an I absolute. think they absolutely love it. That's why I said. And this team especially, oh. they might really want to get back on the road after all this home garbanzo. I mean, if they need energy and intensity, like I said, take four quarters of football in Seattle where the 12s who take themselves way too seriously, and there they are behind <laughs> the bench, and they've been working themselves into a lather and they're saying and there's the heckler guy in the corner with the signs and all the jokes and all that sort of stuff speaking of clay is still the best moment ever perhaps in cardinals at seattle history was when the heckler guy had a sign holding it to his right and he was looking left screaming at some cardinal and six foot eight clayus campbell reached up and grabbed that sign out of his hand and, and he ripped it in half he did it was quality i yeah. remember that game is <laughs> that is that better than that sign that Derek took a picture of kyler murray coming out of the tunnel and it said Kyler Murray's a bust like Johnny Manziel or something oh, like that. Yeah, where, right. where would you, that was, where that would was you the rank? guy. That's that, the guy. Same guy. That's the same guy? Yeah. Same guy. Wow, we should and, have him uh, on the podcast and I, see I, if. I, I think his name is Rob, by the way. The players know him by his first name. I think it's Rob or Ron. So it's a it's friendly of, rivalry, Paul. Sort of, yeah. Sort of. Although he insulted me two years ago. Last time we were in the building and I was down on the field, I was personally offended. I was walking out. Somehow I got down to the field really quick and there was nobody in the tunnel. There was nobody near that side of the field. It was a good 15 minutes before kick and I'm walking out and the guy the guy's hanging over the rail and he's looking down the tunnel I'm like oh no here it comes oh my goodness I'm fresh meat here we go and I got my head down and I'm walking he goes hey yeah you he's all that back my daughter has that backpack she's in fourth grade and he ripped my backpack because it kind of had some colors to it and sort of like some neon green on it and it was a little fair it it, 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 the age demo of the backpack uh definitely didn't fit (laughs) yours truly it was sort of like a midlife crisis backpack it wasn't exactly dominic rogers camardi no but it was a little too flamboyant for yours truly and uh yeah he hurt my feelings and i got a new backpack it had some neon green was it like some buzz lightyear type of backpack no there was no cartoon characters on it or anything (laughs) i mean it wasn't like my lunchbox that used to take in third grade Felipe I will I will give, say give me this. A, a modicum of decorum over here I feel like uh, I feel like it could be good news that the last weather check I saw said it wasn't supposed to rain on Sunday so here's the that problem going for you is that there's weather expected on Friday and Saturday and Monday. And you're telling me that the meteorologists are going to nail the Sunday window with no rain? Come on now. The margin of error, you know it's going to bleed over one way or the other. And is we're going to really? get drenched on Sunday. That's what someone told me. I, right, refuse well, here's, to, here's, I refuse to look till Friday. Here's what I've got right now on Verizon Standard Weather. Uh, Friday, 47 cloudy. Saturday, 47 cloudy. Sunday, 47 cloudy. Okay. 30% chance of rain on Monday. So it'll be chilly. Look, no rain in Seattle, but more importantly, my new mantra, my new hashtag, no Lambo. you got to figure out a way 
to regain the advantage on the Green Bay Packers in the NFC standings. Nobody, and I mean nobody, wants a stinking game in late January at Lambeau Field. So whatever the Cardinals are looking for for motivation these days, there should be a hashtag on the white grease board in the locker room if they still have that, and it should read, No Lambeau. And that should be the motivation each and every game, whether you're playing a division rival or not. Who's with me on that? I'm uh, I'm fully on no Lambeau, but we'll have to see where that goes. You yeah. just got through telling us that the Packers are playing better on defense. and. In fact, you know what? Use the Packers game plan against Seattle. Did you see what Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf did not do? They were five for 40. They had five catches combined for 49 yards on 16 targets. Let me say that again. Five catches on 16 targets for only 49 yards. And with a minute to go in the game, DK Metcalf got ejected. He he got into it and tore someone's face mask and they ejected. And then he tried to check himself back into the game and make his way out to the huddle and they had to shuffle him off the field again. Kind of like the anti-hero DeAndre Hopkins. (laughs) Getting back on the field when you're not supposed to. Different reasons. I mean, I don't know how many of their targets were uncatchable if if Russell was off. True. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, if he's airmailing and sailing balls all yeah. over the yard and they had weather up there. Um, here's the other thing. Uh, young Marco Wilson takes solace in the fact that Carlos Dunlap got flagged up for? Throwing a shoe. Throwing a shoe. Yeah, I saw that. I, honestly, I never thought we'd ever see that again. And I didn't even – I wasn't even only somewhat aware that it happened two football seasons ago in the college when Marco Wilson did it, right? I was, I was watching like, the game, so I remember that. Okay, okay. and I'm like, uh, so anyway, there's Carlos Dunlap, and he throws the shoe and the 15-yard uh, flag. So uh, Marco Wilson takes solace in that and uh, as they go up against uh, you know a Seattle team that I'm not sure what to make of them. A.J. Dillon ran straight over Bobby Wagner more than once. So James Conner, uh, you know, how, how do you – that Seattle defense I haven't bought from day one. The O-line is not good. Again, Dwayne Brown left the game with a hip injury. They're starting left tackle. So, to me, look, beyond just being motivated and fired up and it's Seattle and you've won five of your last seven games, right, if you're the Cardinals at Seattle, uh, this Seahawks team is 3-6 and six for a reason. And there has to be motivation to get the ground game going uh, once again because in week 11, I remember I was going on to our halftime show and – on Spanish radio, and I came across James Conner's stats, and he had like what two rush attempts for three yards, or three rush attempts for three yards at the half, down 23 to zero. So that's definitely gonna have to be uh, a point of focus for the Arizona Cardinals. You mentioned AJ Dillon. I was playing against him in my one of my fantasy matchups, and he put up a 30 piece on me. So that says that now uh, that you can run on on that Seattle defensive line that hasn't necessarily been playing. Well, in the past couple of years, I'm assuming. Well, well and, and, and you know, to your point about A.J. Dillon, that was a 3 nothing game going to the fourth quarter at Lambeau. And guess what? The Green Bay offense wore down the Seattle mm-hmm. defense. A.J. Dillon got loose late in that one, got into the end zone. And so James Conner, if you're going to run him against uh, Seattle defense, it just got brutalized against Green Bay. Guess what? In the second half, you might start turning some of those 22 dives into chunk runs. But, again, you can't turn the ball over early in the game. You have to be willing to play defense. I mean, Chris Carson could be back for this game. I'm not sure who they got running the ball right now. I think it was Alex Collins last week. Obviously, they struggled moving the ball a ton, and Russell Wilson's going to want to – get back throwing the ball better, but you've got to be able to stop them. And you know Pete Carroll's going to want to run the ball, so you better be in a position where James Conner can wear them down by carrying the ball a lot, and the only way that happens is if the game stays close. You can't turn it over. You can't give them short fields. Yeah, when you're down three scores, 17 nothing by the end of the first quarter, yeah, that changes your yeah. game plan and your play call, and there's no doubt about it. So Colt McCoy, what do you make I've of heard Colt of McCoy? Is he, as someone uh, adeptly wrote here, <coughs> Darren Irvin, uh, <laughs> is he the Niners Colt or is he the Carolina Colt? Or is he someone else entirely? What do we make of Cole McCoy's? We have two very different sample sizes so far this season. I think he reached his peak against the 49ers. And the 49ers, in that specific game, he had the benefit of that defense not necessarily being able to game plan for him just because they haven't they hadn't seen a Colt McCoy under Cliff Kingsbury in the regular season up to that specific point, right? Fast forward to Carolina, now you have some tape on Colt McCoy. And guess what? 
this playbook isn't designed for Colt McCoy. Steve Kine built this team around Kyler Murray, around his skill set, around him being able to roll out and complete passes on the run, you know, that type of vibe. And Colt McCoy, I mean, he succeeded to an extent with the 49ers, and I think that's the type of game plan you got. You have to have. Now, he tried to put on his best Kyler Murray impression on that interception against the Panthers when he rolled out and he tried to throw that, you know, that pass across the field as he was running out to his right. But, I mean, as long as you succeed in the pocket, as long as you protect him in the pocket, you give him time to go through his progressions to get to his second, his third read type of thing, that's the type of Komokoi you're going to get. You're going to get a Komokoi against the 49ers. Now, if you don't necessarily protect him the right way and you don't give him time, then you're going to see the, the Carolina uh, Komokoi. But I think he's reached his peak in this playbook. There's not You can't open it up that much for a Komokoi just because he's not necessarily that agile. He's not you know, that fast, and he can't necessarily evade sacks and avoid sacks the way Kyler Murray has done. So I, I, th- I think he's reached his peak. I See, here's, here's what I, I mean. Is he Kyler Murray? He is not Kyler Murray. But, like, the the interception play is a great example. I think that was a fine play call. I don't think there was anything wrong with that play call. The problem was that Colt McCoy, for whatever reason, which he's not supposed to do at his age and with his experience, is stopping and throwing back across the middle. I have no idea why he did that. He had Rondale Moore about six yards right in front of him with nobody within five yards. You toss the ball to Rondale Moore. You let him get eight or ten yards, and you keep a drive that had been looking very good Otherwise, that play worked to perfection. He had Rondell Moore right there. I mean, that's what you want. He, he got greedy, in my opinion. He got greedy. Antoine Wesley was open. Yeah. But it was going to have to be a, I mean, utmost top-notch throw yeah. to get it there, and then he skied him. Yeah. Because, you know, he's on the run. He didn't set his feet, and, yeah, that's not his deal. The whole baseball arm angles, throwing sidearm on the run, like a middle infielder, like Kyler and yeah, Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Russell Wilson can do, you can count those guys on one hand. No, and you're not going to do those things. But, it's you know, again, I don't think he did a ton of those things. The 49ers, it wasn't like – it wasn't like what they did against the Panthers was a lot different than they did against the 49ers, I don't think. I mean, I think the Panthers are better defensively. I think the Panthers definitely have more speed side-to-side uh, oh, yeah. than, than the 49ers do defensively. I think that hurt them. Um, and, and yeah, the Colt McCoy, most quarterbacks aren't going to complete 85% of their passes in a game, which is what he did against the 49ers. Well, that was just a great game. Even Colt said it after the Niners game. He said, look, I told the guys in the huddle, I'm going to get the ball out quick. Yeah. So what did Carolina do most of the time? From what I could tell from the sideline, they went press man. Yeah. They didn't give the receivers any sort of cushion. Nope. So now all of a sudden it's taking longer for outs to develop, and the O-line – didn't bring their A game against a stout and motivated Carolina pass rushing front and game over. I think that that was a key. I mean, it's not like the 49ers defensive line is at the bottom half of every statistical category. No, I mean, they have right. you know, they have the the Boses and the Jones and whatnot. But that I think the key was the offensive line and pass protection. They didn't necessarily do the best job in week 11. I personally think DJ Humphreys had, you know, one of his least productive games as an Arizona Cardinals. But that's when you start missing guys like veterans Justin Pugh and Max Garcia. Who Max Garcia already, I think he solidified his position at right at right guard from his performances so well, far this season. And Cliff Cliff already said that when he talked on this week about getting guys back. He goes, it's tough when you're missing your two starting guards. Mm-hmm. So he basically is calling Max Garcia a starting guard at this point, which, yeah, that's that's yep. a problem. Week before he said it was a coach's decision, mm-hmm. right? Max yeah. Garcia in the game for Josh Jones. Yeah. So it wasn't a matter of health or anything like that. Here's the thing. Do we need to – do Cardinals fans need to get ready for that team to look the same two weeks in a row? Or are they just biding their time until they get to the bye? Is this a team – that you're concerned at all, Darren, that, okay, wait a minute, um, you know, they got to 8-1, and one, and they're like, hey, you know what, now we just need to get to the bye, and uh, we can afford a couple of losses until we get our quarterback healthy. You know, I think that's a definite concern. In fact, I asked Christian Kirk that question, and, and he basically said it's understandable by why we would be thinking about the bye, but we've done a nice job of taking things one week at a time. This is, again, why I think when you start saying, hey, this is a must-win, look, I, I, it would be great if they could win. It's a team they should beat, and if they play sound football, they don't have to play great football, but I think if they, if they play sound football, i.e. don't turn the ball over, 
uh, and Colt McCoy can do that if he's playing, I think they're better than the Seahawks. So there's that. But, I mean, you, you can't – you're not where you're supposed to be right now. You got to get Kyler Murray back on the field. You're going to get. You need to get DeAndre Hopkins back on the field. If you don't have those guys, it's going to be hard to go anywhere in the postseason. And the other thing about the must-win thing is, at this point, one, this team is really good on the road. So maybe having a couple of playoff road games isn't the worst thing in the world. Not ideal, but okay. Maybe. Yeah. And then two, there is no dominant team in the NFC. There's just not the. It's 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 all up for grabs. It's going to be who's playing best at the right time of year, and I think the Cardinals are in that mix if they're healthy, as long as they can play better. I mean, I I don't think this team should be afraid of the Rams. I don't think this team should be afraid of the Buccaneers. I'm no, they're not afraid of the Packers, and I, that doesn't mean those teams can't all beat the Cardinals in the playoffs or or whatever. But I'm also saying that the Cardinals can beat those teams. I mean, to uh. After they after the Rams got Odell Beckham, after they got Von Miller, basically everybody said, well, the Rams are going to win the NFC. Then they lost. Uh, and then it was like, okay, the Rams still are a really good team. Then they got Odell Beckham. Then it's like, oh, they're going to win the NFC. Then they just lost again. And now I finally see some of the narrative being like, well, are the Rams uh, any good? Or are they just a pretender? And it's just like that's where these narratives bounce back and forth over and over and over and over. And it's like, like again, let's see where we are those last couple weeks of the regular season. Somebody said after after the loss this week for the Rams, they went from being everybody's darling to winning the NFC to if the season ended today, they would have to go. I th- let me remember the, the path. It was I believe it was at Packers, then assuming the Buccaneers won at Bucks. And then assuming the, the favorites win at Cardinals or at Cowboys. I don't know if the Rams are making the Super Bowl with a gauntlet like that. I don't know if anybody is. So, you know, again, I, I think there's so much more football. That's why I struggle when you say Felipe must win because I, I just think there's a lot to be determined. And I'm not 100% sure, uh, you know, of where we are in terms of everybody else's uh, schedules either. The Cardinals have a, a lot that they can control even if they lose this game. They still play – uh, the Rams again. They still play the Cowboys. So let's see what how all that plays I'm just, out. I'm not a fan of going into a bye without playing Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. So then when you go to what Chicago, if they're hurt? Then when you well that, that's a different story. But but, but that's I mean, what that's the story we're talking about though, right? But if he's well enough to go even at eighty percent, man, why wouldn't you play him? I mean, do you want to go into the bye potentially potentially losing? Two games in a row. Okay, let me ask you this question: What is what is a bigger risk to you, eight and three, and having Kyler Murray essentially a hundred percent coming back, or possibly going nine and two because you don't know, and potentially having Kyler Murray end up with his ankle getting re-injured to the point where you go all the way back to where he started from? Is that worth that one win to you when you might not get it anyways? I mean, do you want Kyler Murray to miss four weeks and come into the last quarter of the season out of rhythm? I mean, you saw what Russell Wilson went through missing rather, four weeks. I'd rather You'd have rather him, have quote, that? unquote, out of rhythm than potentially wrenching his ankle and never being right. I mean, at some point, he's going to have to deal with it. I mean, you think he's you Wait, think well, coming you think coming off the bye, he's going to be 100% healthy oh, magically? No, I don't think that. But let me ask you this question. You talk about out of rhythm. Was he out of rhythm against Tennessee? He didn't play in the preseason. He looked pretty good that day. I, I just I feel like the injury thing is absolutely top of priority for me. I'm not a coach, and I don't know where he is. And maybe he is to the point where he walks in and he's already 95%, and we're getting some gamesmanship here, and they're going to drop him back in there. I, I mean, he did it last year. He wasn't 100% with the shoulder injury. And if you look at his running stats over the second half of last season, they went down dramatically. Well, the we don't run, have to worry about that. The he rushing run attempts, this year anyways. right? So, but what I'm saying he, he has played injured before. Yes, he has. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I'm somewhere in between you guys. You know, if he can play and be effective, even in a different way, yeah. I'm confident he'll go. At the same time, they're certainly not going to jeopardize football in January and beyond by playing in November when you're eight and two. Now, do you run the risk of? Your week 12 buy, becoming a week 10 buy, and a week 11 buy, and you basically give yourself three weeks in a row off. Yeah, that that's, is a problem. Okay. That, that is a problem. That's, that's a fair point. I, I, I get it. 
But then again, um, the rest of your division isn't giving you much to write home about. The Niners just beat the Rams for the fifth straight time. And you got a Rams team, I agree with Darren, there's a lot of denial going on in L.A. When Sean McVay, after the game, says this was a humbling night and then goes on to say, quote, I refuse to believe that the last couple of weeks are who we are, even though you're only as good as your last game. So, really, he's conflicting himself in that that statement right there. But guess what? No, that is you. I I used this theory with Wolf last Friday going into this week uh, 10 games, and I said, here's my theory on the Rams, okay? In true L.A. fashion, the Rams just keep getting more cosmetic surgery like you do in SoCal. I kind of like that, Paul. They're getting a facelift here. (laughs) They went in for another Botox injection. You know, oh, they got calf implants and they got a tummy tuck and they got a butt lift, you know, because maybe just maybe they're trying to conceal the fact that they looked in the mirror after week four and they're not as good looking as the Arizona Cardinals. Maybe just maybe they said, hey, we don't have to leave our own home stadium from week 17 all the way through Super Bowl 56. Uh Uh-oh. Guess what? The reality is we might not get out of our own division. So, (laughs) quick, somebody trade for Von Miller. Somebody pull the trigger on OBJ. Yeah, They're panicking to some degree because they are not who everybody thought they were going to be coming into this season. As someone said just this morning on NFL Network, at what point did everyone decide that the Rams are just going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl because it was in their building this year? You're right, but I, I feel like it wasn't just one person. I feel like oh. everybody was doing it. It was groupthink. Including the NFL mm-hmm. Network, including that same show that you're mentioning, by the way. Okay, you saw it. <laughs> so so I, I yeah. love that. Uh, you know, wasn't me. No. Eh, was it? Was it? Because, you know, we've seen that team. Look, the Rams went against the Cardinals, and what happened? Just to bolster what I just said, uh, Aaron Donald had the worst pass rushing grade of his career. And the Rams said, oh, we better get some reinforcements, bring in Von Miller. Cooper Cup had five catches on 13 targets, and the headline screamed, as we mentioned, on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Empty Cup was the headline in L.A. He was a non-factor, so they said, we better bring in OBJ. By the way, how how delicious is it? It wasn't OBJ throwing the tantrum on the Rams' sideline. It was Jalen Ramsey. So now, now they have two potential grenades in that locker room. At any point, any one of those guys is going to go off on the sideline and kick a kick a net in the sideline, have it backfire in his face. I'm going to just say right now that grenade is an un, un, uh, underutilized term. You know, as much as we enjoy bagging on the Seahawks, uh, you know, the Rams are becoming our new favorite uh, team to rant about at, at this point because at some point somebody crowned them, and they are not worthy. Even, not yet. Even the on Twitter, I saw the NFL count like requote or post a graphic with Vaughn, Donald, and Ramsey. And it, it was like, uh, you don't want to face this defense. And then someone, I think the team reported for the 49ers, she requoted that same graphic and was like, uh, this age well because uh, of what the <laughs> well, 49ers yeah, they, did. Uh, they also, there was also one out there that says after they got Beckham, who's going to stop this offense? Themselves. Uh, I, guess, I guess it was the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, that, that – tweet went out before Robert Woods got hurt and I mm-hmm. think we all saw how important Robert Woods is and I do expect Odell Beckham to become more familiar with the offense but I I really like that analogy Paul I mean I got to give you major props and you know how loath I am to do that well I may or may not have a younger brother who lives in LA and barely knows a football from a foosball but he's among those who have jumped the Rams bad wagon so he's been insufferable on my text messages so uh, maybe maybe that is Help to stoke the fire and the ire of. That's uh, funny. My these, younger brother is also rants. a Rams fan. I have not talked to him though. How do how do people become Rams fans if they just went? Well, to you LA? know, some of us uh, are old enough, Felipe, that we've lived here before the Cardinals moved here, so we so, had to find other teams. That's that's like you know, I have a lot of family in Mexico who they're Dodger fans, uh, but that was before the D-backs came into town, so I, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, he's been a Rams fan for since he was like. Eight, so I can't really get mad at him. So look, you got a Cardinals team that's going into Seattle, and honestly, if it wasn't for the quarterback question, because it's such an unknown, it's such an uncertainty, and it's so vital to any team's chance at winning, uh, I would be fully on board the Cardinals rebounding in much like a fashion we saw of Buffalo and Dallas. Honestly, just 
based on what I've seen for 15 years in that Cardinals sideline of how the Cardinals always get fired up by that Seahawks crowd, that there really, to me, is very little chance of them face planning again with no intensity, urgency, aggressiveness when you're going into Seattle, especially going into a bye week. It's always a concern, but but where are the Arizona Cardinals when it comes to the quarterback? Because if, even if there's a little weather up there, Darren, I know I screwed this up earlier, but there was one year they went up there and Max Hall was a guy, and he yeah. just didn't have the arm strength to nope. cut through that Seattle wind. Nope. And that that was an epic fail. And when his ball is fluttering in the wind and coming back like a lame punt, uh, that was a problem. Um, I'm going to let you in on a secret, uh, oh, Paul. The whole Max Hall thing was an epic fail. But that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that, that summarizes uh, the whole experience. Yeah, that really <laughs> does. Not just that game. He beat Drew Brees, though. <laughs> that's his resume. Right? Cardinal, and he almost the, got decapitated at the goal the line. The Cardinals and Max Hall – the Cardinals, when Max Hall was playing quarterback, beat the Saints, who happened to have Drew Brees at quarterback. Let's not say <laughs> Max Hall beat Drew Brees. Uh, I was at that game. Paul was at that game. That's not exactly how it played out. But anyway. And look, it's nothing personal against Max. No. I, it is not, because we had him on the Big Red Rage that very next week. He was outstanding. He was he great. Had, he had moxie. That, that's that's one um, of those uh, moments you're like, did that really happen? And that was. For, for a week, it was the greatest story in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Um, I will say that I agree that the Cardinals are going to bounce back strongly in this game. I, I do not expect them to be flat. But I also expect the Seattle Seahawks, if they have any hope in this season at all, and there is still hope because of the seven playoff spots, that if they could get on a winning streak, they can sneak in. Russell Wilson's going to be ticked off. He played poorly. He's going to want to play better. You know DK Metcalf is going to want to play better. Mm-hmm. Um I was actually hoping for a while with all that in there that Seattle would end up with Odell Beckham because I just thought, talk about a grenade, I just thought that was going to really be a problem. But um, it didn't happen that way. But I, I expect this to be a close game. I, I hope the Cardinals can dominate. I think they are when their heads are on straight and everything goes well. I think they are a significantly better team. But it is a road game, and you just never know what might happen. And, and look, the Cardinals could see the 49ers in the playoffs. They could see Carolina in the playoffs. Yeah. The standing stat I just saw was every single team uh, that is that is that is below 500 or is 500 or below in the NFC is within one and a half games of a playoff spot. Yep. Other than the Detroit Lions, that's it. Everyone else has either five or six losses. Hence, you're within a game and a half of a playoff spot. That's seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. Can I just get something off my chest? That has nothing to do with you guys, so I well. Felipe was it. about to go, but go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I was just gonna Felipe. double down on my w- must-win take. Oh. You know, that's <laughs> no. a, it's a must-win for the Seahawks <laughs> as well. You know, if there's someone that can break up See, this, they're this, in a must-win. That's what happens when you're no. three and seven. And you're, you're if there's someone that can break up this debate, Darren. Let's have Paul decide. Is this a must-win for the Arizona Cardinals? Does Kyler Murray have to play? No, no. for the Arizona Cardinals, no. For the Seahawks, who are one and three at home right now. Yes, I would say so, although once again the NFC is so wide open I could see Russell reeling off five out of six yeah. in the year. It's funny, I've heard, and it's been less less recently, but I've heard people talking about because of the playoffs this year, because of the expanded playoffs, because of the – they had the same expanded playoffs last year. It drives me up the wall. Like People are making it sound like there's expanded playoffs this year for the first time. There is not. That playoff spot that the Cardinals were playing for last year. That, it's true. That, that was, was the seventh that spot. Was the that seventh was the spot. third wild card. They had card. already right. changed. There was You're already right. extra playoffs. So there is no extra playoff spot this year. You're right. I just needed to get that off my chest. After the Niners uh-huh. loss and after the Rams lost to end last season, I expunged any recollection of the whole playoff scenario out of my brain. I don't think you said it. It was other yeah. people that had said it. I don't think you said it. I think that's I'm, – I'm steering clear of criticizing anybody in this room. By the way – As far I'll, as I know. I'll just end with this. Do you really want to play Carolina? In the postseason, based on what Matt Rule and Phil Snow, their defensive coordinator, have done against the Cardinals two years in a row. And I know that once upon a time in 2008, Carolina had its way with the Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals went to Carolina and exacted some serious revenge with a five-touchdown jack-stomping of Jake DeLome and company. Jake DeLome was apologizing to his own huddle by the end of that game. He had a five-turnover game, if memory serves. Six. Six? Six. Six. So maybe it was five picks and a fumble. Yeah. But looking at that Carolina team, there are certain, right, NBA 
matchups that you know are not yep. good for certain teams. I agree. And for whatever reason, Carolina matches up real well based in the last two years with Cardinals offense. But going back to that NBA example, in the NBA, when you have a superstar, it doesn't matter where you play, what the weather's like, what the score is, or what the series score is. If you have a LeBron James or Kevin Durant on your team, I mean, none of that matters. I mean, if Kyler Murray plays to the standard that a lot of the fan base is hoping he plays up to and he plays up to that Pro Bowl standard that he played to last year and he comes back healthy from that ankle injury and he's one of the and he ends up winning an MVP and he or he's a top MVP candidate. It doesn't matter where you play in the postseason. As long as you have Kyler Murray, play the Panthers, you can go to Lambeau and come out come out with the win. So it all really depends on your superstar. At the end of the day, if you're if you have a pair or a group of superstars and DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray and then on the defensive side and Chandler Jones and Buda Baker and Co. I mean, does it really matter where you play? It's gonna be interesting to me when you talk about the Panthers. Can you imagine a playoff? Let's say everybody's healthy. Let's say Hopkins is playing and Kyler's playing and Christian McCaffrey's healthy mm-hmm. and Cam Newton now has had half a season to get ready as the starter. That's that's a that's an interesting playoff game to me. But what did the Cardinals defense do against Cam Newton last year when he was with the Patriots? I mean, Cam Newton was uh, that's what I'm. But the the thing is, is again, I, I number one, the Patriots didn't have Christian McCaffrey, and Christian McCaffrey has now proven in two games that he can have his way with the Cardinals and Vance Joseph. Now, hopefully, that can change. But as of right now, and again, to more to Paul's point, what does that defense do to Kyler Murray? We he, he, they couldn't do anything last year in Carolina, and they didn't have Hassan Reddick yet. You know, and, and that's kind of where I want to see. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves. They would have to meet in the playoffs, and there's a lot of football left to be played. But, you know, again, that's the thing. Although I will say this, I, I'm getting tired of, like, that isn't – I agree with Zach Allen. You're going to see that run play. But uh, fans don't need to tell me, well, there's the blueprint. There's the blueprint. The only way that what the Panthers did is a blueprint is if – all these defenses like Seattle, which does not have the defensive personnel of the Panthers, get the defensive personnel of the Panthers in one week. Can't happen. It, just because you play a certain way, if you don't have the players, it's not going to work. And by the way, Zach, it's what Zach Allen didn't say, which you can kind of read between the lines in a lot of the other interviews, and it goes something like this. Once the Cardinals got down three scores, 17 nothing at the end of the first quarter, everybody tried to make a 17-point play. Yep. Everybody was out of their gap. Trying to hit the five-run home run, Paul. Exactly. And everyone got out of their gap. And guys didn't you – know, how many times did Jalen Thompson tell the media, uh, guys just need to be where they need to be? Christian Kirk, we got to follow the game plan. Everybody tried to start freelancing. There was some desperation. Oh, I'm going to be the guy that turns us around and gives us a spark. I'm going to make the big play. No, you just made the big mistake because you weren't in the right place and it just broke down. And now Christian McCaffrey's loose to the second level. And they had some of that earlier in the year. Guys weren't uh, as disciplined and focused, and they were told uh, by certain coaches, guess what? Follow the playbook and the game plan, or you'll be on the bench. And if you follow the game game plan and the playbook, and you're where you're supposed to be, there's enough plays coming your way that you'll fill the stat sheet. That that, that will happen. It will benefit you ultimately. So... that, and, and so I saw a lot of that going on out there, but nobody's going to call out a teammate on that. And so uh, we'll see what the narrative is the, the rest of the week. Um, and to Darren's point, if the Cardinals go on the road, guess what? You're right. They, they, they obviously have played very well on the road, and it happens to focus a team that at times apparently needs it. Now, I don't – and I know we already talked about this, but I'm going to reiterate, I don't want to go to Lambeau, not in January. Oh, no. <laughs> No, I don't I'm ca- already kind of dreading that Chicago game. I, I, I mean, that's your neck of the woods kind of, Paul. I mean, yeah. the trips to Chicago and yeah. Detroit. I'm sure you'll enjoy whatever weather is going to be coming off the lake on December yeah. 8th. It, no. it could be 60 degrees. It could be 60 below. You have no idea. In early December, it could be anything all the above. December in, 5th, in, that's in, what in December, you know, it could be anything at that point in the, the year in Chicago. We'll see exactly what's happening but yeah the one at, at lambo in late january and i don't care if they're selling a whole new uh issuing a stock did you see this they're selling stock in the packers went for 300 dollars. you can have a uh, they're selling stock uh, certificates yes Paul. it's a share of worthless stock yes. so there are two kinds of packers fans. plus 35 dollars shipping and handling oh so it's 335 uh the total to have a, a certificate for a worthless share of packers stock so if you know if you're a true cheesehead i guess 
you're all in, and that's how they're going to raise tens of millions of dollars to do stadium renovations. Yes. All we have to do is sell worthless certificates to our fan base, they've and boom, this, we've got a new video board. They've done that a few times. It is it is kind of funny. Somebody said it's it's a glorified GoFundMe, and I, that's really true. <laughs> it is, right. But you get to sit in the shareholder meeting, which I don't know what that really consists of. Okay, you well, do get to attend a shareholders meeting. And honestly, they do have to release uh, at least some aspect of their books. Yeah, but that's public record anyway. Yes, so, yeah. but it's the only glance into any NFL team also true. in the books. And so you can actually – the pro football talks of the world go through that uh, with a fine-tooth comb, do. and yep. they try and figure out different aspects of a team's financial operation. I think – can they find out, the people that actually – Investor, whatever it is, can they find out they're going to resign Aaron Rodgers next no, year? No, that doesn't quite work that <laughs> way. Maybe that's the benefit. Find out if Aaron Rodgers is coming back we, to Should to we Lambeau. start selling stock in Cardinals Underground? Felipe, just okay. I don't care what your <laughs> I don't care what your financial advisor says. Don't don't go ahead and put all your four hundred one k into Packers stock. Okay, please, <laughs> please don't do that. You'll be working till you're ninety. Felipe's like, I really want to like figure out if Aaron Rodgers is going to resign. I'm a reporter, so I'm going to go ahead and if Aaron Rodgers resigns the stock will spike next week and i'll make a huge killing on it exactly. is that what you're saying exactly that's where my right. head's at right lunch is for wimps wall street you know what i mean okay all right by the way can i just leave you with a holy cannoli stat that i enjoyed more than anything that with kansas winning at texas and did you guys see this maybe i'm late to the party on this that in the time that has elapsed since kansas won a conference road game Nick Saban has won six national championships. Think about that. Had it really been that long, I had no idea. We all know Kansas has a woeful football program. But they hadn't won a conference road game in the time it took Nick Saban to win six national titles. So for everyone who was lamenting the Cardinals' loss, the lackluster loss against Carolina, guess what? It really it can get worse. You could be a Jayhawks football fan. Well, actually, in this case, it could be worse. You could be a Texas football fan. Ooh, ooh, you're Sorry, right. Sorry, Colt McCoy. Yeah, and on that mic drop from Darren Irvin, that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.